Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. And I kind of want to just put a little plug in for something right now. Um, you know, I really loved how you guys, your hearts are really turning to the children. And, um, and that's always the Lord, is that we... We, we turn our hearts to those that, that the Lord loves, you know, because Jesus was really, I mean, he was really frank about it. You know, the, his disciples and all the leaders really thought that the children were um, kind of being an inconvenience and they're a burden. And actually, you know, they were like noisy and they were like causing distractions and, and Jesus could see all that. And... And they were trying to push them away, but Jesus said, no. He said, let them come to me. I mean, the priority of that moment was the little children. And as we pour our lives into children, we are actually doing exactly what Jesus would do. He always directed his attention to the children. And, and I really want us to as a church, I really am envisioning and I'm believing for many people in our church to rise up and to help serve the children up there. And I have to be honest with you, I, um, I, Eliza, is there, is there any way, are you going to lead right now? Well, actually, I, I was kind of wanting you in here, but see, here's the deal. We have a need, yeah. Well, let me just say this. I really, I need her in here because I was going to have her be a part of my message. So, oh well. Um, the issue is this. We need, we need volunteers. You know, the scripture says, who's been experiencing the power of God in our midst? We've been experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the scripture says that my people will volunteer freely in the day of my power. There's a willingness to give of yourself. So, I really want to encourage each and every one in this house to go and volunteer and to help. I, we, need, we need leaders. We need people to be raised up and say, you know what? I'm willing to give one, one Sunday out of six weeks to help with the children. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to help. And so, therefore, um, I really want you just to ask the Lord, Lord, I know it was your heart because you turned your heart to the children. And do you want me to help and serve in the children's ministry? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a lot of times torn between whether if I want to be in here or be in there. Because I actually love being in there just as much as I do being in here. Now, you guys are wonderful. But I started in ministry. The Lord gave me an option. He says, you know what? You can, you can minister to to the young adults, or you can minister to the children. And, and as I prayed about it and sought the Lord, I felt like the Lord was saying for me to turn my heart to the children. And Eliza and I had a blast for years of ministering to the children and saw the power of God move in such ways that would blow your mind. Because, you know, they don't have a baby Holy Spirit. They have the same Holy Spirit that you do. And so... They just need to be given an opportunity to see and understand 
that the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you dwells in them. Now, they might have a smaller frame of body, and they don't quite know how to say it like you do. But God's power can flow through a child just like he can flow through you. So I want you to see it as not a have to, but a get to. You get to co-labor with Jesus to help serve and minister to the children. So... Who would like to volunteer? I mean, who would like to volunteer? I, we need volunteers. And I, I need people because, you know, um, really the next generation is in there. And they're the ones that are going to carry on the mantle of what God wants to do. And um, so I appreciate that. I just want to make it known that um, we need volunteers. And, you know, serve, give, and you shall receive. So I just want to highly encourage you guys to um, this church to, you know, rise up and, um, and serve in the ministry. Today I, would, I, want to, I just want to talk a little bit here about, um, which I think is very important, and that is tapping into the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Dan did something last week that so blessed me at the end of his service. He he got his, his holy anointing oil, and, uh, and he anointed people with oil. And, um, and it was so powerful, but it's, it was so important what he did. And because stewarding the anointing or the power of God in your own personal life is so important. It is so important because... As the Spirit of the Lord is, is moving through your life, you can actually be a conduit for the power of God to touch the hurting around you. And as Daniel stepped out in faith and he prayed for Brocky, God's power flowed through Daniel to touch Brocky and minister healing. It was real simple. Scripture says, you will lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I believe that the church is to enter into greater levels of God's power. I believe that in some ways we've been kind of pushed into a corner, and the church has lost its voice, lost its way, and doesn't realize that it is filled with the power of Almighty God to do the works of the ministry. Power is something that is so important. Have you ever just thought, God, if I actually pray for this person, will your power actually flow through me and heal that person? Have you ever wondered, can God use me as a conduit for his power to flow through and impact people's lives? And I believe that the, the power element of the Christian life is something that God wants us to come into and understand. So tapping into the anointing or the power of God is so vital because when you tap into the power that is within you, it flows. But there's an element that causes it to flow. 
And you've got to realize that you're just a vessel for power to flow through and to touch people and to heal people and to encourage people and to love people. You know, it takes a lot of power to love some people. Come on. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, I. no, just kidding. So, but yesterday I had the honor of celebrating a champion marathon runner named Eliza Fine. Her very first marathon. And you know, I mean, watching her and thousands of, of these people run a marathon was an incredible thing to watch because it, running 26.2 miles is not a small feat. I mean, I have trouble running to the mailbox. But I have such respect for those people because you can see it. You know, there's that part of them. You know, I woke up in the morning and I, I, I turned on the, the Rocky song. Dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da, da, dun, da. And I was playing it to Eliza. You know, I was like, come on, man, Eliza, you got this thing. So, uh, but, you know, um, Eliza trained and, and worked so hard for this last year. Um, for the marathon. I mean, she was diligent and she prepared herself, but she encountered something that she had never experienced before. And that was at about the 18-mile mark, 18-mile mark, she said, I can't go anymore. Her whole body started cramping up because of the heat. Her body just cramped up, her legs cramped up, and and she says, I need you to get me the salt pills quickly. Well, she was about, I don't know, two miles away from me. So here I am. You know, and I started going. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My legs are getting tired. And I'm like. I mean, here she's already run 18 miles, and I can't even run two miles. And I'm like, oh, 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 catching up to her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here's your pills, you know. And, and you know, she took them, and, and then um, I went back to my station because, see, I was the professional cheerleader. And um, I had this great T-shirt on. You know, it had a picture of, your wife and my wife, and my wife was like, you know, and yours was like, you know. So, so, the runners love that. I, w I would hear the, the wife run, honey, you got to get me that T-shirt. So, um, but, you know, Eliza, she passed me, and then she came back to me, and she was at the 20-mile mark then. And uh, she was at the 20-mile mark, and she said to me, I don't think I can go the rest of the way. And I began to pray and intercede for her because I know she had trained and, and been prepared for this race. And she had never experienced leg cramps before. And I just said, God, I just ask now that your power would um, touch her and, and strengthen her legs right now and remove the cramps. And I heard Eliza crying out to the Lord, help me, help me, help me. 
you know, for his power. And, and as I watched Eliza, we, I basically then got in the car and I went to the finish line, which is another six miles down the road. And the last couple of miles, I saw something in Eliza that I knew was supernatural. Because what she was experiencing would have put most people on the ground. But God's supernatural power flowed through her and strengthened her and gave her the ability to finish the race. And it was a huge accomplishment. And so kudos to my wife. Let's give her a big hand, man, for finishing the race. But I believe that her faith tapped into the supernatural power of God and strengthened her legs and enabled her to finish the race. So I want to read to you Luke 4, 14. It says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now you got to remember, Jesus went into the wilderness being led by the Spirit. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And Jesus was, was a man just like you and me because though he was uh, God in the flesh, he laid that aside, his divinity, so that he was um, someone like you and me, but it says that when he came out of the wilderness, he was filled with what? The power of the Most High. He was anointed with power to heal the sick. So it says that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth which was his hometown. He came to his hometown boys. He came into the town that knew him, that understood him, that, that, that knew that he was the carpenter's son. So he came into his hometown, maybe thinking that he might be welcomed. Not. So, so he came into Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book in verse 20 and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." You probably could have heard a pin drop. All of a sudden, things shifted in the room. And at that moment, something happened that was, uh, I, I don't know if it took Jesus by surprise or not. But they weren't excited about what he just said. It actually says that they got enraged. They were filled with wrath. They did not like the idea that the anointing of Almighty God was upon Jesus to heal the sick, raise the dead,
cast out demons and open the blind eyes. They were not happy. And, and this is, when Jesus preached in the synagogues, I believe that he primarily used Isaiah when he preached. He would preach this very verse. He, was, he would say this very thing, that the anointing of Almighty God is upon me to heal. And then he would say, and it is fulfilled in your hearing right now. And when he would do that, he would declare that he was anointed to heal and that the people would hear these words. And what happens when somebody declares the word of the Lord? Faith comes by what? By hearing. They would hear the good news that Jesus was anointed to heal. And when they would hear it, they would receive it, they would believe it, and then they would go to him and they would be healed. Healing was manifested in people's lives not because there was just power available and whoever wanted it got it. The power of God was released to those that believed, those that had faith, those that believed that Jesus was able to minister the power of Almighty God. See, they did not have a New Testament. Jesus was not preaching from the New Testament. He was always preaching from the Old Testament. And he was primarily using this, this Isaiah text that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and it's fulfilled in your hearing. So as they would hear this, then they would go and gather. It says that they would go out into all the cities and they would bring in the sick because they heard and they believe that Jesus is the healer. And so they would bring everybody in and they would say, he is the anointed one. He is here to heal. People's faith would arise. They would go forth and say, Jesus, heal me. And he, boom, they'd be healed. Because faith in God activated the power of God. Faith in the word as we believe in the word releases the power of God to heal the sick and to raise the dead. So in that, your faith in God's word, activates the power of God. Do you understand that? It's like faith is the switch. Like there's a light switch over there on the side of the wall. That switch releases electricity, which is power, correct? Well, that, if that was also a, a spiritual switch, what flips that switch on is your faith. And your faith is then the conduit that releases the power of God for you to do the miracles that God is calling you to. But, you know, Jesus went into Nazareth and he told his, his home crowd, Hey! Well, he read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And guess what? It's being fulfilled right now. So are you going to believe it? Well, the people didn't accept it. It says in Luke 4, 28, and the people in the synagogue were filled with rage and when they heard these things. Can you imagine that? They were filled with rage. I'm like, oh my goodness. This was a hard bunch of people. And now it says that they were filled with rage and, but they had the opportunity to be filled with faith. They had a choice. 
They had a choice. Do you want to believe it? Or do you want to get mad about it? You know what? I think a lot of times, honestly, religious people get mad about things. Religious people get mad because you don't believe what they believe. Religious people want you to do it their way and not your way. And you know, it was a bunch of religious people that, that basically put, put up their hand and said, Mm-mm, not Nazareth, we're not going to have any of this anointing. And they got so enraged that they basically ran him out of town. Jesus got kicked out of his hometown. I mean, come on, his hometown kicked him out. It was like they ran him out and they took him out to a cliff. And they were getting ready to like kick him off the cliff so that he would die. And it says that Jesus just walked right through him. They couldn't even touch him. Because his time wasn't up yet. So he's like, okay, if you don't want it, that's fine. And then the scripture says that, that he could only heal just a few in that city. Only a few. And those were the few that believed what Jesus said, that the anointing of God is upon me. But they were filled with rage. They ran him out of town. So if you ever felt rejected and you felt like, you know, people didn't like you, well, Jesus got kicked out of his hometown. So he understands. But there's an issue here. Faith activates the power of God. Unbelief activates or cuts off the power source. Your unbelief in what God says in his word is, is going to be the deciding point if you're going to step into the things of Almighty God. Matthew 9, 27 says this, And Jesus went from, from there, and two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. No, he prob- they probably said it like this, Have mercy on us, son of David. I mean, they're crying out because the crowd is around them. They want to get his attention. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them do you believe that I'm able to do this and they said to him yes Lord and then he touched their eyes saying it shall be done to you according to your faith faith activated the power of God for their eyes to be opened and healed. Verse 29, it says, according to your faith. So according to whose faith? Your faith? Jesus' faith? No, it was their faith. It was their faith. Their faith is what tapped into the healing flow of Almighty God and saw a creative miracle. They made a demand on faith. They made a demand on, in, through faith on the healing power of God, and it was released to do a miracle on their behalf and open their blind eyes. But you know what? 
God's power is always present. It's actually, it's present here right now. But the issue is, are you tapped into the power for it to flow? God's power is here. The anointing is here to heal the sick. The anointing is here. But the issue is, are you plugged in? And what plugs you into the power? Your faith. Faith plugs you into the power. What, are your, what is your faith in? Your faith is in the word. Your faith in what is written. Your faith is in Jesus and the promises that he has said to you. Paul makes an incredible revelation in, in Galatians 2. He says, he said, for I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. Was that just for Paul or was that just or is that also for other people? Okay. So the reality is, is that Paul is saying, you're dead, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You've been crucified on the cross. And so now, therefore, who lives inside of you? Christ lives inside of you. He also said a mystery in Ephesians. He said, uh, at Colossians 1.27, I, 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 to whom God will make known to us the riches of the glory and this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is in you. When you woke up this morning, he was in you. He didn't leave you yesterday. He's in you. So Christ is on the inside of you. And he also said he prayed in Ephesians 3. He said, I pray you be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner man so that what? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ is in you through faith. Jesus is inside of you. So understanding that, are you getting the idea that Christ is inside of you? He's in you. And guess who else is in you? The anointing of the Holy Spirit is in you. When we receive the anointing, which is the power of God, Acts 1.8 says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, when he spoke that to those believers, when he both spoke that to the disciples, they were already saved because in John 21 or 22, Jesus breathed into them the life, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were basically born again. Now, two weeks later on Acts 1-8, he also says, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit, for the promise to receive power, power to do the works of the ministry. So Christ dwells on the inside of you, and also as you receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, are baptized in the Holy Spirit. John 14, 12 says this, and I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done, okay? He's saying, did Jesus heal those, two, those blind men's eyes? He's saying, now, you're going to do that. You're going to heal the blind eyes. So he's saying, now, you'll do the same works that I've done. And even greater works. Wow. Okay. That's raising the bar, folks. 
Greater works because I'm going home to be with the Father. Mark 16, 17 through 18 says this. These signs will accompany those who believed, who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So let me ask you a couple questions. Do you believe that Jesus was anointed to heal? Do you believe that he dwells on the inside of you? Do you believe that you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit just like Jesus was? Do you believe that you will do the same works that Jesus did? And even greater works. So if Jesus dwells on the inside of you and you've received the power of the Holy Spirit, guess who is anointed of God to heal the sick? You. 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 You are anointed by God to heal the sick. But the power is present within you. But are you tapping into it? Are you releasing it? Is, are you in the flow of the anointing? You know, there's a currency that flows out of that, in that electrical outlet. There's a currency. And when you flip that switch, it flows. Whew! It lights up all these bulbs. Faith, when you hit the switch... The power flows like a currency to touch people, to heal people, to deliver people. You know, I experienced, I experienced my dad being saved by the power of God flowing through my life. Not because of anything I did. I was just believing for my father's salvation. You know, I, I, I went through my dad's Facebook and um, I was telling Eliza, I said, I said, I am so grateful to the Lord for rescuing my father. He had gotten involved in so many things. But God, his power was released the gospel is the power unto salvation. So John G. Lake said this great statement. John G. Lake, he says, Electricity is God's power in the natural realm. Holy Ghost power is God's power in the spirit realm. Just like electricity is, is in existence in this natural world right now, It's a tangible substance. Electricity was, was something that was created by God. Electricity has been in existence in the earth since God created the earth. Then why didn't electric, electricity just automatically light up a house, turn on the stove, turn on the AC unit, turn on the radio? Why didn't electricity just all of a sudden light up your house like GE, and, and warm your house and make everything just wonderful. 
it is because we did not, at the time, have lamps, we didn't have stoves, we didn't have all these all of these devices that were conduits for electricity to flow. We didn't have all these modern advances a long time ago when electricity was discovered. In other words, our houses were not equipped for electricity. They weren't equipped. They weren't, there was nothing to harness the electricity. I'm so grateful for Thomas Edison. I mean, that guy, he was brilliant. I mean, he's one of the greatest inventors and leaders in our history. And think about all the modern uh, blessings that you have by his discoveries that you have today that are in your home, that are, that are all around you because of his particular work in discovering so many things. If we could just get into our minds that the healing power of God is in existence in the spirit realm, just like in the natural realm with electricity, we would understand and know its operations and know the benefits of its power and how to tap into it and to begin to release it in our midst. God's power... I, I want you to hear this, does not automatically move on our behalf just because we want it to. God's power is just not going to move just because of Shazam. God's power is, is, is needing us to tap into it by faith to release it that when we lay our hands on the sick, we're not going to sit there and wonder, has somebody turned on the switch yet? Come on! Hit the switch! It is our faith that flips the switch in God's word and then releases power for those around. Your faith is the conduit, is the wiring that releases God's power to heal the sick. Jesus could not heal anybody. It was the Holy Spirit that came upon him, flowed through him, and healed the sick. As he was walking in a crowd, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, people were, you know, knocking him around, I'm sure, and wanting his attention. And he said, Stop. I felt power flow from my body. And there was a woman that had an issue of blood, and she said, If I would just reached the hem of his garment and grab it. And she did it in faith because she had heard that Jesus is the anointed one, the healer. If I just grab the hem of his garment by faith, I believe I can be healed. So in the midst of the crowd, she's like working her way up to him. And then she reaches out to the hem of his garment. And as soon as she did that, power flowed into her body and healed the issue of blood instantly and jesus said stop and he made the he made the point uh virtue was just released from my body and 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 who was it and finally the woman raised her head and said it was me and that whole crowd god's power was not being released but to one person and that one person had faith to believe that jesus was the healer 
Her hand stretching out in faith was the conduit. Power hit her, and boom, she was healed. So in that, right after that, I mean, Jesus could have had a big healing service right then, man. Uh, hundreds of people being healed. But then he went to, to Jairus' house. He went there, and, and, the, and the little girl had died. And he said, no, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. And in that, then, then Jairus, he looked at Jairus, and he said, if you believe, you will see. If you believe. And he raises this little girl from the dead. And in that, after that, is when he met the two blind men that we just read about, and he healed their eyes. So our faith is to tap into the power for it to flow, but doubt and unbelief cuts it off. It just cuts it off. So the people of Nazareth didn't believe, but were enraged and ran out of town the king of the universe. <laughs> the king of kings and lord of lords. They ran and they kicked him out. But as we believe in the words of Christ, faith is released and miracles happen. Church, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm beginning to be so hungry and desirous to see. When I see people hurting and needy and that need a touch from God, I'm wanting to see faith arise in their hearts so that they might receive the touch that they need in their lives. And it's just going to come down to it, do we believe? Do we have faith and believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? So if he doesn't change, and he's on the inside of you, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit has been received by the baptism, are you going to be expecting now when you lay your hands on the sick that they're going to be healed? You've got to believe before you receive. You've got to believe that God is able to do great and mighty things through your life as we stand on his word. For his word cannot fail. I am wanting us to tap in to the power of God. And I believe this church is getting ready to experience signs and wonders and miracles. Christ within you, the hope of glory. So when you woke up today, you tell Jesus, good morning. And you tell Holy Spirit, good morning. And you say, what do you have in store for today? So let's stand. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you. And God, I thank you for how you touched Brocky and you healed her body. Lord, I thank you and praise you that you healed her back and that God, her testimony would be a testimony of your goodness and what you did in Brocky, you're going to do it again. And Lord, I'm asking now that those in this house that Lord Jesus need to experience your power, need to know that you are the healer, need to know that you're here to heal, save, and deliver,
God, I thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I'm asking now, God, that faith will arise in our hearts, that we will believe in your word, that, God, we are putting our trust in a God that is alive and all-powerful and all-knowing and almighty. And, God, I'm asking today that we would enter into the flow of your power, that we would enter in by faith the power that is available to each of us.